0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yes, everyone, welcome back to Full Time Devils. My name is Stephen Howson. Today, joined by James and John, and um, we've got loads to talk about today. Promise you, loads. I mean, there's 95 topics. We've had to just go. We can't even get into them because we've got all of. Uh, this to talk about um, what the fuck are we talking about
1: well football's back in some countries isn't it that's that's something to like slightly talk about even though it's not actually back yet we can talk about that for the next month and talk about games that are going to be played behind with no people some, something to talk about
0: football behind closed doors is a concept how weird is that
1: been done before
0: I mean not... yeah it has been done before I mean obviously our, our last football match was behind closed doors mm. Um, I was so drunk I don't remember it So I don't really have Any sort of opinion On, on how it was One way or another I was fucking minging um, I think it would be weird I think it would be weird For the players I think it would be weird Watching a so-called Premier League game Where you can hear People coughing
1: mm. But it was weird to remember when Barcelona had that game behind closed doors because of the uh, political situation and you could hear the players like shouting at each other on the pitch and everything, what they were saying. You might actually get a bit more of an insight into what the players are saying and what the managers are saying if the microphones are that close to the pitch.
0: Yeah, yeah. And it fascinates me, actually, how well the players can hear someone 20 metres away on the pitch. Um, But they can. There's almost like a weird bubble just sort of keeps the, the pitch clear, even though... Theoretically, the the 70,000 people that close screaming at you should just drown out everything you say, but you actually can um, communicate all right, actually, in the middle of the pitch. which is fucking weird. Um, what's happening, John?
2: What's going on? How bad's your hair looking? Uh, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, Do I, reckon I, hat
0: sales have gone through the roof.
2: Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, clippers sales have on, gone through the roof. Uh, I actually have a set of clippers myself. I, I was too too scared to touch it. We're uh, just, uh, just gonna, gonna keep hats on all day if I have to appear on camera.
0: Yeah, I've ordered some new hats. Um, I've been wearing the same hat for too long. Need a new hat.
1: Rosso Bianco, need to start stocking some more bubble hats. That's the sort of the top red brand at the minute to go to.
0: Yeah, but a bobble hat in this weather is not a good look. I don't want to be sitting out in my garden wearing a fucking bobble hat and a pair of shorts.
1: Yeah, but if it's based on like the 1989 United training shirt, then you'll get an extra top 10, top red points from the, uh, the no, Red Army.
0: because i will be sweating my fucking face off sitting in the garden wearing it. <laughs> actually, Fuck it up,
1: maybe. Talking <laughs> of them, that's actually a good thing. They've done the uh, the season tickets for it 18 to 22-year-olds next season. That I think it's going to be like 200 quid, I think, they've said.
0: Yeah, the uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, the the stuff that the club's doing in, in regard to the Red Army, and I know the, the safe standing sections are potentially going to be totally different. It's, it's over in J-Stand. It's nowhere near where the Red Army section is. I like that, though.
1: Mm. I like the
0: fact that you, you could pretend, I think this is right, I think there's going to be a Red Army section where it is, and then a safe-standing section, which would be totally different. Or they might just move the Red Army section back over to where it was so in J-Stand. Would be a bit
1: like before when you had different sections of the ground, almost like, not not against each other, but they'd almost compete to create the most noise between each other?
0: That, that would be the best way to generate atmosphere. Mm. You know, your, your J-Stand versus the End. You know, J-Stand gives a song from the Stratford mm. End and vice versa uh, from J-Stand. I think that would be excellent. And that'd be a real good way to generate, it and then you know. they
1: still do that at, um, at FC. They've got like the sort of main seated section. They've got the terracing behind the goal. And they, they all have like banter with each other. Like there's sort of the, there's people behind the goal, cool people that are like sat down, like, plastic classic fans and that sort of thing. But it's good cause <laughs> it generates atmosphere. Like if you go, I know this might sound controversial, but I've been to some United games on like a Tuesday night in the Europa League, and it's flat, even with like this the the Red Army section. You know, it's just I think it's a problem with maybe having a certain... There's too many... It's all seat stadiums that I think are part of the problem, but also ticketing. Maybe sometimes the football isn't the most exciting. But when you've got Terracing, I mean, I was at Wolves away in the FA Cup this season. They were safe standing there, and the atmosphere was really good because everyone was stood up. You can sing more because you're not sat down, and stewards telling people to sit down at a football game is just ridiculous.
0: Stewards, stewards are more of an issue. Um, people do get up and down for different games, and I think that's just natural. I don't yeah. think that's ever going to change... There's no way that some fucking Belarusian team on a Thursday night in the fucking opening game of the Europa League is going to have anywhere near the same vibe as a Derby or a Liverpool game. So that's obviously it's going to change. There's also a lot of people fucking do dip out. I mean, it's it's not half the stadium. You're still going to have 70,000 mm. in there, but you know a couple of thousand people tossing it off for the night. Um, and it's not always just tossing it off. Some people live that far away that the commute to get to Old Trafford for 7 o'clock if they finish work at R5 or 6 it ain't fucking doable. So, I mean, my office is in the city centre. It's literally an M1 postcode. If I leave at the wrong time, it can take me an hour and a half to go 2.8 fucking miles to Old Trafford. So, what can, what's it like if you're near Birmingham or if you live near Leeds? Or well, if you live you know, in Cardiff
1: and have to go to school the next day and get, get back at 4 in the morning you know, to get two so, hours sleep... A couple of would, thousand do that?
0: people doing that or them sorts of journeys. I can empathise with why you'd be like, look, we'll miss it this week, we'll go next week as sort of an attitude. Um, and the club's made it difficult for those fans to pass tickets on. Um, mm. And they'll well, do you for touting especially. if you do.
1: Well, away I tickets mean,
0: you just can't pass on. It's simple as mm. that.
1: Well, didn't that uh, kid get banned for like two years for like not, didn't even pass his ticket on. He just couldn't go because he was ill.
0: Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Non- you- non-attendance, yeah.
1: Do you think also as well? I mean, we don't have organised supporter sections, is in the same way that like South America do with Boca Juniors, where they've an organised ultras that will go all the time because it's basically like a cult that they all follow and they'll all sing for well, nine minutes. we've got
0: we've got that, but we don't have anybody that wants to be that guy. And if you try and put your head above the parapet to be that guy, you'll just get fucking abused. It's about, just um, not in. It's just not in Manchester United's culture. What about to, Pete to Boyle? <laughs> Pete does what he does in the, in the pubs, but mm. like Pete used to stand near me. He sat down for most of the game. It is what it is. When he was at the bottom of J in the front of J stand, where the singing section is mm. going to be. Um, you know, the, you're never going to get it. Like it was in Germany where, yeah. I mean, I've got a great book here at the minute, which I've only just started, uh, which is ultra, um, which is, is Italian football. Um, But you're you're never going to get it the way it is in them countries because it's just a totally different culture. Mm. The the culture of English football is very much about having a couple of pints,
1: yeah, which. the, the annoying is thing is, you, you can't the take thing. them onto the terraces, which is a stupid thing. It's just a stupid rule. Man. And I'm so, sorry, but I mean, I went to Germany a couple of years ago. I saw a Hamburg play, Schalke. I was, what, 14, 15? I was allowed to drink because the drinking <laughs> laws of Germany they, like, they don't exist. Like, anyone can drink. And it was great. Everyone was stood there. Everyone was like semi pissed. There was just a bloke stood at the front with a megaphone, getting everyone to sing. There was a yeah. whole uh, section, it must have been about. Back when Old Trafford had um, terracing at the Stratford end, it was similar to that. It was about fifteen thousand all stood up, all singing, all the way fans on the opposite end of the ground. There was about eight thousand all stood up, and it was it was the best atmosphere I've ever experienced at a football game before.
0: Um, when me and Statman Dave went to RB Leipzig, um, that's a, a that's, I think it was a seated section. I don't think it was safe standing. Mm. I think it was just seats. Um, but you're allowed to drink um, mm. in your seat, uh, and it was a, it was a really good atmosphere
1: um haven't, haven't they got like strange rules there in lives like they, their fans can't be political or if they say anything about like lgbt lgbt or like uh, gay rights or any of that they get like banned not banned, they've, got really, I really, they've got really they've got really like know. strict rules apparently of, of all the red Bull clubs for that sort of thing
0: no not not experienced anything in that sense um it's a cracking stadium that yeah. they've got um built in the in the bowl of another stadium um it's interesting, you know, I've been to, uh, I went to a game, uh, Athletic Bilbao against Atletico Madrid, that yeah. was a good atmosphere, that's a beautiful oh, stadium, the San San Man Man
1: Well, the, the, the good thing is about that is, when you walk down that street, it's like a massive Coliseum that you can't avoid almost, and everyone's sort of funneled to the same place, that's what it's sort of like about... Old Trafford it's like in the middle of almost a massive housing estate it's yeah. this massive like 76,000 just amphitheater and I think that's a bit of a problem when you have these sort of purpose-built arenas you lose a bit of the character and City had that when they moved from Main Road to uh, the City of Eastland's um, stadium West Ham have kind of had that in a way and I think that's sort of a part of modern football in a way because those stadiums Hammond- have
0: been built for different purposes as well the yeah. City Stadium was built for the Commonwealth Games the West Ham Stadium was built for the Olympics. These aren't stadiums that the club had a hand in designing. Uh, and maybe if they did, maybe if they'd been at, you're like, Everton's new one doesn't look like a soulless mm. carbon copy of every and other stadium. Have you seen Broken's new stadium? No.
1: Look shit. Honestly, it looks like every other cardboard box cut out stadium. The seats are like they're from like a. Under-21 European Championship, they're all like, multi-coloured. It looks like, compared to Griffin Park, it just looks like every other Football League cardboard box stadium that's next to a retail park for the McDonald's. Yeah, like.
0: Even FC. FC Stadium's uh, quite unique. Probably one of the best, mm. if not the best, stadium in non-league football.
1: But they built it themselves, to be fair like that's what I like about it it's almost like a and it's very it's very Mancunian in the sense that it's an act of defiance almost you've got this big laser takeover but in the same way over history when Mancunian figures have stood up whether that's Peterloo whether that's the suffragette movement they sort of started their own thing which I kind of really admire them for
0: yeah they, uh, they got a lot of help off the council and they got a mm. lot of grants from Sport England and Football Foundation and stuff because uh, I think FC put about a million million and a half into it
1: I think mm, it that, seven in total um, the builders went bankrupt halfway through I think to get did they? it went massively over over budget as well
0: fucking hell nightmares
1: they, they had plans before that for another stadium which fell through as well
0: yeah that was that the 10 acre lane one yeah yeah there's there's been several proposed sites I think in Manchester for different sorts of stadiums and stuff like that and you no know, it is what it is I, I would I would hate to see United ever leave Old Trafford but it definitely ooh, needs a baby ooh. wipe around some of the stanchions yeah You can
1: look look at all the acres around the stadium that they just don't use for anything. I mean, the most recent developments around Old Trafford is the the University of 92, which isn't really Old Trafford. It's sort of on the way in between the cricket ground and the football stadium. It's the hotel football, but all the other acres. I mean, there's car parks there that are just not really car parks. They're just sort of like wasteland. There's that random Kumo tyres pitch that has been locked up for like six months. It's all a bit like random around the stadium.
0: Yeah, there's... um there's a lot. If you go on Google Earth and look at Old Trafford, there's a fucking obscene amount of car park space mm. around the back, which I don't even know how much that gets used on match day. I imagine a large proportion of it, but a lot of it's to do with the the shipping businesses that are at the back of it. Um, I'd love them to build a, a little stadium like City have got on that ground, but, you know, for having eight tiers of academy players, um, you know, and and one of the best stadiums in world football, or at least one of the most iconic. Our academy play at fucking Lee.
1: <laughs> and it's the place to worst, get to as well.
0: the world. It's easier to get to fucking Paris than Lee, I reckon. Why don't we play at, at Ulfie um, anymore? It's not a good looking stadium, to be honest. Mm. Probably a lot to do with that. Altrincham's dark. And I, whether it's uh, brilliant summer or if it's in the depths of winter, Altrincham's dark. Like, there's no. in. This is a weird thing to pick up on, but. I mean, I picked up on it. It's it's dark in the stand.
1: Mm.
0: Like, you don't notice how light it is in the stand at most places until you go to somewhere where there's no fucking light whatsoever and it's literally pitch black. I mean, there's just no lights. So a night game, you're just sitting in the dark. It's weird.
1: Yeah, but you probably get more there because obviously like, it's easier to get to and it's. I think it's a nicer stadium than, than Leeds Sports Villages. I think it's got more, more to it.
0: It's got more character because it's mm. old, but... Uh, I don't know. Maybe the ch- I've never been in the changing rooms. Maybe the changing rooms facilities aren't great. Maybe they, they want to keep the manager away from um, you know all the public and stuff. You can't do that at mm. Um I was at Ultringham. I, I was sat next to two Anzebi actually for an FA Youth Cup game that we played in. I think Roshan and Timbo was at centre half. I think Angel Gomez came on at like 14 or 15. Rashford played. Charlie Scott played. It's like quite a recognisable team. Um I know uh, Louis Van Gaal come and sat on the seat in front of us <laughs> with uh with Gigs and Bobby Charlton And you think, okay, it's cool, but I think, especially like as soon as Louis went and Jose came in, they want that separation. All right, all right, mm-hmm. Jose never went and watched the fucking academy. I think we went once. Um but they do want that sort of separation, don't they? Well that's
1: what the article I was telling you last week about in the athletic was about when the when the youth players were saying when Jose came in, the difference was in the canteen, Van Gaal spoke to them all the time. He knew them by their first names, but Mourinho, he didn't actually know the names of like most of the Academy players, and never really spoke to them.
0: Yeah, there's a there's a couple of lads that aren't at the club anymore that I know that um mm. you know they'd they'd come and hang out and stuff um in the office and chatting to them, they were like there was some of them that was on the cusp of a debut, and some actually got a debut. And, and there was like, I don't know my name. And I said like, oh, you say I've seen you in first team training. How's it going? And they'd be like, ah, I only because he was short numbers. Like he's not thinking of bringing us in. He don't know my fucking name.
1: Well, he, ha- he name. has that sort of us versus their mentality, and it. it can work for him, but it can also work against him. I mean, when he was manager of Real Madrid. He had this sort of weird thing where he made Real Madrid players hate Barcelona players, even though most of them had been with each other and won the World Cup together in Spain. But he'd made this like weird opposition thing to make the Real Madrid players hate Barcelona players, even though they were like mates with each other. It didn't work, so he got sacked.
2: He's mental, it, he? mm. John, you're all right. Yeah, I'm good. I'm actually uh, quite enjoying because, uh, you know, the local conversations that you guys have, I'm not, obviously, I'm not local. So it's actually very interesting and I'm learning a lot just hearing from you guys.
0: Should be dick. <laughs> Oh, so you sent me this before, Uh, James, let me find it. So Luke Shaw's been talking about how um, Aaron Maguire's finding people for not turning up to team meetings. What do you think about that, John?
2: Um, I looked at that and I thought that was very interesting. Uh, I think it's modern age now where you kind of have that leeway and that flexibility. Of course, back in the day, if the manager says, all right, you know, we're going to go grab dinner together. You're all there, but nowadays, with the player power, the shift in the player power, rather, um, you know, they, maybe they had the option of just kind of hanging up, like, eh, I'd rather spend time with my homies, I'd rather go home, I'd rather chill with the family, whatever. I think that kind of rule being implemented is just inevitable. You have to have something like that, and and I agree with it. I I think we need something like that. If you you need to show up, if, if you think you're too much of a cool cat because you know you got to go for. Uh, some sort of club. Now you got go to go dinner. You got and you're like, oh, I, got, I got better things to do than go out and hang out with my uh, with my colleagues. It's a different situation, you know. It's like you have to go. You have to be able to connect with your colleagues on a different level now, more so than ever. Uh, and something like that. Um, yeah, bond uh, the 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 fine thing might seem a bit aggressive at first, but I think it's necessary and required, uh, especially you know times like this.
0: It sounds like these team meetings um, aren't weekly. So it's not like you have to come on the piss with us every week. It sounds like these are, by the sounds of it, quarterly ish. That's exactly which what I, I was think. Thinking, yeah, it, which is fine. Like, yeah, we're doing this and we're doing it as a team. And that's what if that's what the captain says and he's got the authority to do that, given by the manager, fucking get in it. Otherwise, yeah, you're getting fined. There's all sorts of mad fines um, in a club. It's not those official sort of fines like you'll get docked two ages, like you might see on like computer games and things like that. This is going to be like small fines.
1: Doing an Uh, MUTV interview and slagging the whole team off allegedly. That sort of thing.
0: We used to have a similar thing when I was in the army, which was if you ended up in a paper or if you ended up in any of like your soldier magazine or, or your name or picture ended up anywhere, you got fined. Um, not for a, like a, a security reason. It's just a piss take reason. Mm. Even if you ended up in like the local flyer, you know, about your local camp or something like that. And it, you had to get a crate in and a, and a crate was 12 beers. So you get crated for, for your name being in, in anything. Um, and I imagine it's like that, Joe. You know, it's not like, you know, me a grand, Although to a footballer, that might be the equivalent of 12 beers. I don't know.
1: Um, like that um, the anecdote uh, Cantonar says about the players uh, they went into that kitty for those fans yeah. thing. And um, yeah. Nicky Button, I think it was Paul Scholes or someone, put some money in. Uh, Cantonar won like 12 grand and uh, he, sh- he uh, shared it in half between Button and Scholes, I think it was. Was so, it like, uh, like for putting the risk in of putting the money in that they probably couldn't afford at the time? Is that sort of thing?
0: Yeah, it was some sort of lottery thing. Mm. Uh, and they put. I think the, the, the first-team players put in their win bonus, which is obviously smaller than their wage, but because of how much them lads were on at the time, they had to put their whole wage in. And when Cantona won it, he'd, he'd give it them to to say, yeah, it, you know, it, it meant more what they would... I can't remember what it was.
1: It's like, isn't it a 12 grand thing? So I was reading... No, I um, can't
0: remember what it was for, was it? It might have been like an FA Cup win bonus or something.
1: Oh, it might have been fines or something. I was reading it in... Um, I read Keane's other book uh, last week about his sort of time in management and uh, the sort of last few years at United. It's quite interesting, actually, compared to the sort of first book he did. I mean, it's a shame, really, that it, it didn't quite work out for him in management because I think if he could sort of control his anger a bit more, I think it'd be really good because he's worked on, obviously, Clough and Fergie and he's got that sort of... He's very good at motivating players to get the best out of them.
0: Oh, there you go. Um... One morning, Bruce arrived in the dressing room with a cheque for 15 grand. Um, The team squad had contributed to some video or other, and this was the Mm. payment that was meant to be split between the squad. Struggling to work out who was owed what, we decided on a majority vote. Hold the draw, winner takes all. Uh, The option of taking your cut, about 800 quid, was available. So if you wanted your cut, you could just take your cut, or you can throw it in and, um, and see if you can win the lot. Uh, the younger lads—that was a couple of weeks' wages at the time—and uh, they wanted the money. Only skulls and Nicky Butt opted to play for the pot, which was about twelve grand. After those who wanted to take it out took it out, Cantonar's name came out of the hat. He got the check. Uh, next morning, Cantinar arrived with two, two checks for Nicky and Paul, um, and, and he—you know—he divided the money up between them. And he said uh, he loved that both of them taking a risk, uh, despite needing the money. <laughs> Uh, being is to keep, so he likes it. There you go.
1: You've Hands met up. you've you've met Eric before for an interview. Does Fucking have,
0: cuddled <laughs> him like a long lost relative Does He have that sort friend? of
1: like aura When you sort of meet him, you sort of go, yeah. "Fucking how that's Eric Cantona." Just sort of yeah. do you shoot yourself?
0: Yeah, he's the only one. He's the only one I'd ever. Be, uh i have be nervous. We came for a different reason, mm. um, <laughs> and I'd be excited for Sir Alex. Um, mm. But Cantona, Cantona's my reason that I love football. That reason yeah. that I fell deeply in love with it. United was just something that I did with my dad until I saw Cantona play. And once it's I just, saw Cantona play, I fell in love with it.
1: It's that whole his whole character. I don't think we're ever going to see that in football. The sort of the arrogance, the poetry, the sort of misdemeanour he has about himself. It's it's kind of incredible. You didn't really. see it in football then, to be no. honest.
0: He was batshit crazy compared to everybody else. So he retired at thirty.
1: Well, think Cal- how many
0: players play on past i was, I was,
1: was like, reading yeah, um, i was reading a book um, about Cantona who's like uh, met in loads of times according to him uh, he actually uh, died when he retired from football that's what Cantona said to him when he left United according to cantonar apparently he's officially dead because he stopped playing football
0: wow <laughs> well there's there's uh, there's a i think it was united we stand years ago did uh, did something and it was um had had said something about falling in love with his wife and it was poetic as fuck. If someone had said Shakespeare written it or some fucking um, French resistance sort of era Renaissance era sort of guy had written it, you'd have gone, yeah, fair enough. Not a footballer. And it, the, in United we stand it, had just said, can't quite imagine Phil Jones coming out with them sort of words. And I, I'm not going to ad lib it. It was, a, it was like, it was mad. Like you just wouldn't see a footballer saying, You know, he painted in his spare time.
1: He's into all like um, politics as well, isn't it? I mean, I've listened to him for three hours just talk about socialism and uh, his grandparents fleeing from Catalonia and that sort of thing. Yeah. He's, also, he's got a really interesting background as well.
0: When um, when he was at the Lowry uh, a couple of years ago, we met him that night because I, I took a gamble that people from outside of Manchester assumed the Lowry Hotel and the Lowry Theatre are right next to each other. They're not. They're a couple of miles apart. Um, they're just named after the same bloke. But mm-hmm. I imagine that if you book a, a guest that's doing a show at the Lowry Theatre, you go, I'll book him a room at the Lowry Hotel. Lowry's also the, the five-star, I think it might be four-star uh, hotel in town. Although it's well, the, United, the
1: United players used to meet, was it?
0: Yeah, they still do, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I took a gamble and was like, let's just go and have a, a pint in the bar. Um, I was with my dad. And, no, my dad went home, actually. I was with my auntie, with Adam. Um, and we just went, went and sat in the hotel and had a, had a pint. As we're waiting there, Jose comes in. <laughs> Um, but it was the night Claudio Ranieri had been sacked, so he was in a right mood. Um,
1: was that where he lived for a bit? Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: And then, uh, and then Cantona came in. Um, wow. So we took a bit of a gamble, expecting that we were going to see him there. But that night, the the show that he did, the one-man show, Cantona was getting into some amazing shit. Like, I would love to do a podcast with him because I, I think, out of the love and respect I've got for the guy, I would just give him every little bit of a breadcrumb that he wanted and then just watch him go off down a path, whatever he was talking about. He started talking about philosophy. He was talking about how UEFA have got a duty to make sure people under 21 are watching football matches. He was talking about when he looks at football matches, he sees old men. He doesn't see young people and for football to carry on and live, you've got to have young people going to the match and being interested in it. And you know, there needs to be a subsidy, whether it's in prize money or blah, 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 blah. And, he goes. Uh, he's going off down this, and honestly, riveting uh, monologue. And the guy's like, the guy that was conducting his like one man show went, yeah. So tell us about Salos Park. And you're like, fuck off. What? Like you've just got one of the most out of the box minds talking about this amazing thing in football. And now you want to just bring him back to? I remember when you kicked that guy? I remember that day?
1: Like, did you um? Did you listen to the MUTV podcast he did with Homewood and um, I think it was David May as well that he did? And he just, he has these. I love what I love about him. He's just these like really obscure metaphors that only he could understand. He doesn't tell anyone about what he actually is saying. So like when we saw when he did that UEFA ceremony, he just went off randomly for like five minutes about this like Shakespeare thing that only he understood, and everyone was sort of like confused. But when someone actually sort of decepted what he said. It was like actually, yeah, it makes quite a bit of sense what he's saying.
0: It, it, he's a very intelligent guy. I don't hmm. think you can come out with after shit he comes out with, and even I don't even think you can start to even understand some of the metaphors he comes out with if you're if you're not fucking clever. So. Well, well, yeah. A lot of them go right over my head.
1: Like, yeah, he had the British press on that? strings really after the whole Salah's Park thing. Only he could come out and say that the seagulls follow the trawler thing after that and then just look so effortless whilst doing it. It's 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 credit to him really that he can do that sort of thing and be so calm and cool after basically just being vilified by the English press for the past six months.
0: Cantona was a really interesting case study and uh, the way he was treated, the way Roy Keane was treated, Uh, because they both had off the field issues and on the field issues. Uh, And the way Paul Gascoigne uh, and Alan Shearer were treated um, was very interesting. And I thought it was an English thing. And then David Beckham got sent off and you're like, that isn't an English thing. This is a United thing. Um, You know, Paul Gascoigne could never do any wrong despite doing a fucking lot wrong all the time off the pitch. He's got this persona of being loved and being vulnerable that the press will put out there. Um, Alan Shearer nearly took Neil Lennon's head fucking clean off. Got away with murder. If well, yeah, you're an well, England player at the time, like the FA seems to protect you, I and mean John Terry and Steven Gerrard, massive examples of that. Except if you play for United,
1: you get a handled. lot of people. A lot of people did worse. Fouls than Cancelar did in terms of his kick and didn't get really anything for it. I mean, if you look at um, was it uh, I forgot his name, but the French sheep that. Basically, uh, put a German player into a coma during the World Cup, and like referee just played on, didn't even book him. Schumacher, that was the
0: seventies, I, I think. That was just yeah. A but still, tackle, I mean, like,
1: even even then, like, yeah, <laughs> even, look at Trippi, the other month. He got he got nothing for going into the crowd and basically like, like shouting at that guy. Supposedly that that had
0: fisticuffs as well. Mm. There was supposedly punches thrown with that as well. I don't see the difference between what he did and what Cantona did because the guy was further in the stand. Like, there's no difference if you enter the stand. I'm not allowed on the pitch. Well, that means you're not allowed in the crowd, right? Surely. Surely that's what it fucking means. It can't mean something else. Fuck it. <laughs> Anything else you want to talk about, fellas?
1: Good <laughs> book, that, if anyone hasn't read it. Uh, Cantona, The Rebel, Who Would Be King, is available now at uh, all the bookshops and uh, amazon.co.uk. Have
0: you, been, have you been reading any books in lockdown, lads?
1: Uh, just then I'd read, I read Keane's other book, his other autobiography, um, about his target management and uh, how he was at, uh, at Sunderland and Ipswich. And uh, it's interesting to see how he sort of cope with players and that sort of thing.
0: I mean, he didn't. Yeah. Lunatic. <laughs> that's,
1: that's the problem. I mean, if he could control his anger a bit more, he'd be a great manager because he's worked with Clough, he's worked with Fergie and he's really good at motivating players. But then he just goes too far. That's that's the issue with him.
0: Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna give you all some recommended reading. Uncle Steve is recommended reading
2: john you've been doing any reading unfortunately no because uh most of the books that i had intended to read i left at my parents place and then i moved out here and then i couldn't visit again because of covid
0: right get on amazon
2: because there's
0: fucking shitloads loads of good books out there so ultras uh this is what i'm currently going to every day at the moment um i like it that's a good one um fc st Pauli, pirates uh punks and politics that's interesting um i when I went to Hamburg um St Paul weren't playing there and I didn't get a chance to go watch a game there but their uh, souvenir shops around town are there are like a weird northern quarter vibe about them very interesting yeah yeah
1: well um the um the what's it called I've, i can't I can't believe i don't know what it's called because i've been there but the uh, the red light district in Hamburg its very very similar fields to the northern quarter in manchester I forgot what it's um forgot what it's <laughs> called
0: uh Brian Clough um I would urge anyone. That grew up in the Premier League era to go read about what Brian Clough did to take a team from the second tier into the first tier to win the league, then a European Cup, then retain a European Cup, uh, and he did it all for about a hundred grand or something. Like, did
1: you um? Have you read the book through the eyes of a journalist that was covering Clough at the time for about twenty five years, and then um, like fell out with him at the end? So it's a very different uh, perspective on it. It's really good.
0: Clough was. Low-key genius He understood Mm. that recruitment was the most important thing When it comes to building a football team And he had a really interesting phrase As he's shaking your hand John, welcome to Nottingham Forest You're going to be a good lad here You're going to enjoy it The second I find a player better than you You're out the fucking door Welcome That's in the middle of his welcome speech Oh, by the way, I I will replace you rapid And he did I might sign you for 30 grand As soon as Liverpool come calling with 200 You're gone and I'll get another one in And that's what he did. And he managed to um, keep the team going financially by flipping players for a profit and unearthing some absolute fucking gems. And then I definitely recommend this to anyone who's interested in the business side of football, changing the conversation one, two and three. Um, They're like, they're almost like blog posts. They're all like little articles. So there's not big long chapters. You can literally just dip in, read one page and you've read the entire, or maybe two pages, they're probably, yeah, probably about two pages long, each one. Um, about a million different um, ideas, uh, and a lot of them are evidence-supported stuff in in football and about football performance and, and the way it's run and all that lot. What if, and they're about six quid on Amazon. Changing the conversation by 21st Club. Go fucking check those out. They're absolutely... If you got
1: crazy. over Soconomics now?
0: No. I mean... I mean <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, the book you, you, you always go to when, <laughs> when looking at the, whenever anyone criticizes this people, yeah. right,
0: this should be, anyone who wants to talk about football needs to have read this book or shut the fuck up until they have read this book because it's fascinating. And, uh, because I was that impressed with that book, uh, Simon Cooper and Stefan Szymanski, I bought this one as well. Mm. Um, is, too. St- pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like the, the add on to soconomics, but I've not started this one yet. Um, So, yeah, read this fucking book. If you've not read this book, why not? I don't know how many fucking times I need to tell you go read this book. There's some incredible stuff in here in terms of like transfer spend doesn't equate to or doesn't correlate to league performance. The thing that generally correlates to league performance more is wages spend... Um, how unsustainable some of the football stuff is, uh, how certain clubs are different, set up in different ways to to achieve what they achieve or or not what they achieve. It's got about how fucking penalties work um, and how teams have won penalty shootouts using maths. Um, Like, it's insane. There's so much in this book that covers so many different things. One of the most fascinating things is how there has been no... Democratic capital cities have won a European Cup, London. It was when it was written, all right. <laughs> and I think the reason behind that, uh, was the oligarch thing. There was something in the oligarch right. thing, but no, uh, like, no democratic capital cities have got. I uh, think I can't remember the fucking reasoning behind it, oh, but it was yeah. like, if you got oh, Paris, no, uh, Madrid. It isn't a, a democratic capital city. Rome uh, hasn't got one. Uh, Vienna hasn't got one. Uh, Berlin hasn't got one. If you go through, it, it, it goes through it all, and it says like generally, the better football teams are working class industrial cities. That's what mm. you know. Porto, Munich, Hamburg, Manchester, Liverpool, Hamburg. Yeah, like it's it's a like Marseille. Marseille was the traditional big power in, in French football prior to oligarchies. And it said there's just something in democratic capital cities have just got a little bit more to do in them. And football comes from that working class culture. Um, you know, even the likes of Aberdeen and mm. Glasgow. You know, why, why is it Glasgow It's a bit it's like why. Big- um-
1: you know, um, Girona in Spain that um, have had loads of money pumped into, I think they're affiliated to City somehow. Yeah. They're not uh, gather, gathering the sort of attendances and uh, attention to them because the place is just too nice. The beach is like two minutes down the road. The houses are too expensive. There's just not that that grit about it in the same way that other sort of northern European cities like Copenhagen, like Manchester, like Aberdeen have that yeah. sort of... I don't want to say like uh, I don't want to say they're shitholes, but they've they've certainly got that sort of you know gritness about them. They're they're sort of not they've not quite been gentrified in the same way that other major cities have.
0: No, apart from um, one that's been born to the son of a great athlete, has there ever been you know top level athletes that have come from like unbelievable wealth? You know, Bill Gates' kids aren't going to the Olympics, are they? You know, are, are going to be a world champion boxer. It just doesn't happen.
1: Mm.
0: Sport is the working class pastime and it's the working class gateway out of wherever the fuck you live. Well, right, and that's when it's always been. Did he fail? Played for Barcelona right. and Man United?
1: Yeah, but compared to... I know it's really hard to compare to his dad, but, I mean, his dad won... Well, but don't compare him he, to his dad. Yeah, compare yes. him
0: to the average person. Fair it's not fair to compare him to... Yeah, it's oh, not... If you don't, if you're not as good as Johan Cruyff, you didn't have a good career. Fucking mm. hell! There's about four people that have had a good career ever. Yeah. See, like, you know, people will talk about uh,
1: Joel Kansaner.
0: <laughs> I don't even know if he played professional football.
1: Um, Two games. Did
0: he yeah. um, Just, I'm just trying to think of any like generic Premier League winner that United had. Like Darren Gibson. We got. Oh, he was shit. Mm. Was he?
1: represented his country played for united played for everton like he didn't he didn't fully his potential though. I mean he was scoring against bayern munich in the champions league and 9 years later he was getting done for drunk driving at a club in league 1 I mean
0: ultimately when you, you look know, at people's careers you can't just say, unless you was world-class, you didn't have a good career. Because there's yeah. been some phenomenal careers that have happened uh, outside of that. And even if you played down the leagues, the fact that you could make a living into your 30s playing professional sport, that's the fucking dream. I don't give a fuck if you played for Colchester and fucking Walsall. Well fucking done. You know, there was a lad I went to school with who ended up playing for Oldham. Um, what a fucking career at the end of the day. You, you, you are the 1% of the 1%. And then the Premier League players and the internationals, they're the 1% of the 1% of the 1%. You think how many fuckers are playing football across the fucking globe mm. for you to get a career in one of the top five leagues in the world and and, and be playing and getting paid to do so is insane. Because of, think think how mad this is. Football's one of the most well-rewarded um, financially sports that are out there. And so many people would, would do it for free. Mm. There's a weird dichotomy about that.
1: It's kind of the kind of linking into what I was saying the other week about. I mean, the top one percent of footballers might be okay out of this situation, but if you go further down the pyramid, I mean, the players in League One, League Two. I mean, if football doesn't come back in three, four months' time, they're going to be in like serious trouble.
0: Did they reckon they need like 200 million to bail out non-league mm. or something like that? I might have got them numbers wrong. You're <laughs> like. Who the fuck has got that? I think you might see a massive restructuring of football after this. Mm. I'd be surprised if less than 10 clubs go bump. Do you think
1: there's, there's, five, do you think there's too many three. teams in the Football League anywhere as it is in terms of, I mean, how in terms of they make money? I mean, there's there's 92 clubs in the English football pyramid and only about 16, 17 of those turn a profit every year.
0: It was only two at one point. It was United mm. and Arsenal a few years ago.
1: John, how many professional
0: football teams is there in New York?
2: Red Bulls and City. Uh yeah, just the, just the two. But the funny thing co- is, Red Bulls aren't even uh, stationed in New York. They're they're are they in Jersey.
0: University.
1: Yeah, they're in New Jersey, aren't they? Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, okay, so New York City has got one professional team. Yeah, how many college?
2: State. How many college teams? Um, I believe we there are a few colleges, but they all play in different divisions. So I think NYU plays in D two for some of the sports. Columbia plays in D one for some of the sports. Like they are just all spread out.
1: Are the Cosmos semi professional?
2: Cosmos no, are Cosmos are no longer relevant I think. Oh they, they still playing the island. No no
1: they they are playing the the MISL now cuz the NASL the relaunched version of that went uh, yes, bankrupt. Yeah. So they didn't play for a couple of seasons but now that's if right. it wasn't for this they would be playing in the MISL which is the same league that has a uh, Brooklyn Italians I think there's a couple of other uh, local New York are playing as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, Cosmos have been—they've been in and out for quite some time due to mm. actual struggles and whatnot. But yeah,
1: you're right. That's correct. They have been
2: recently uh, jumping, back, jumping back in.
0: Just give me a rough estimate then. How many college teams that are doing, let's say, more than a thousand people go watch them?
2: Probably in New York, it's not that much. Maybe one or two tops. I mean, New York sports, uh, like you know, you guys were talking about that whole industry, working class cities and whatnot. New York is uh, is, is 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 interesting because. New York City is New York City, and yet we have one of the worst sporting mm. reputations on the planet. I mean, you look at basketball, well, you look, at,
1: yeah. I mean, the Yankees are pretty well known. I mean, I'm not into my baseball, but they're one of the only baseball teams that I've heard of, right? And the Rangers,
2: I, I'm, talking about with, I'm talking about with respect to the current sort of level of success. Of course, we have the big names like the Yankees, the Rangers, you know, like even Cosmos at a certain point was, was a, was a, was a the big Giants name.
1: have won, uh, yeah, well. But the Knicks the, are pretty well known as well. If you
2: look at right now they're doing horrible. The Knicks are the laughingstock of the NBA. Currently they are so bad. They've been they're They're just getting torn apart. I mean, as a Knicks fan myself, it's, it's horrible to see. I mean, Nick- right. the, the point I was trying to make, which is why I was
0: asking, because otherwise I'm going to forget because my memory is well shit at a minute. Right. So there's probably, let's say three teams that get made with more than a thousand people that go and bother watching them in New York city. How many people live in New York city?
2: Like 19 million. I think really, Or something like that. A huge, huge number. Is that the state or the city? Maybe the state. I'm not sure. I don't remember now.
0: Holy shit! Okay, so that's more people.
1: It's more people in the UK. Ninety million. That we've got a guest. (laughs) Say hi. All right.
2: Yeah, I'm sorry. Nineteen million was the state. I think it's eight million in New York City.
0: Okay, so that's a lot of people. Um. In the UK, which is, or let's just say in England, which I think is about 50 60 million people, which is only what like three four times what you say New York is, there's 92 professional clubs, and then there's a, a like a seven step pyramid that's underneath that. Every shitty little community has got a football team, some of them have got like if you just go. City fans like to say, there's only one club in Manchester. For starters, that's so fucking wrong, I don't even know where to start. But there's also, you know, you go all the way down to your Abbey Hay, your Charlton and West Didsbury, FC United, and then you've got your Same your Droz- side alone, where I live, which is a suburb of the east side of Manchester. You've got uh, Hyde, Glossop, Mosley, Drawsdon, Ashton alone's got Ashton Albion, Ashton, Ashton United, Curzon United, Curzon yeah. uh, Ashton. Um, th- there's so many fucking football teams around here. It's it's actually a piss take and I wouldn't ever suggest, why don't you just fuck off like nine of these teams and create well, like, like a side United or something like that because then you could have probably one club in this tiny let's be honest tiny little suburb probably get like 12, 13, 14,000 fans that's what happened, happened
1: with, um, enough... with Rushden Diamonds there was uh, yeah. there was two no, two local non-league sides if uh, Earthlington Borough or something in in town and the owner of um, Dr. Martins went right you two are emerging <laughs> together I'm going to pump shit loads of money into you we're going to go into League One and then uh, going to build you a massive multi-purpose 7,000 seat stadium mm. and then what happened was um, Dr. Martins almost went bankrupt had to move to Asia and everything and they uh, folded like six years later it was like crazy only existed for like 16 years
0: is there too many teams in England probably I mean when you look at the the spread of professional sports in, in other countries there's nowhere that's got the I mean if you look at the Spanish Football League pyramid it's like four levels
1: you can yeah, go but there's, 22 there's, there's, levels there's in a lot of regional leagues within those levels i mean it's i mean if you look at segunda b for example there's something crazy like 30 divisions within that one section
0: yeah but they're like six teams each mm. it, there's 22 levels of around 12 to 20 teams or even sometimes up to 24 it there's so many fucking clubs in england it's outrageous um manchester's the the second most uh, densely populated um, footballing city in the world do you know which the number one is
1: is it Berlin
0: You, I would have thought London because mm. the, uh, at least at the professional level there's yeah. loads and then you obviously there's a million different leagues but supposedly but I think there's that many people there that it, it, it thins it out a little bit
1: mm.
0: per capita Buenos Aires is the most densely populated football oh, right. city yeah. in the world. What, Manchester 2nd?
1: River Plate, Boca Juniors, is it uh, Argentinos? Fucking no. hell.
0: I, I have no idea. No. But can you imagine how many amateur football teams there must be yes. in Buenos Aires as well? well?
1: The the difference between the two stadiums, between La Bombonera and uh, Rivers Grand, which I should know the name of, that I've forgotten. Uh, it's crazy. It's like literally you've got like two massive housing estates. And uh, it's, they're, they're like within like, I think it's like 12 metres of each other as well. Mild.
0: One's the posh side, one's the working class side, isn't it? Uh,
1: yeah. Well, River Plate are known as Los Milionados, uh because of the sort of rich, alleged alleged rich upbringing they've got in the same way that Severe and Betis have that same sort of argument, but it's based off uh, an argument that's about 400, 500 years old. So it's a bit <laughs> out of date, to be honest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck it. Right. Uh, I'm going to leave it there, but cheers to you guys. What about uh, what most? is a week?
1: We've got to do that. Do we? Well, Jay said so. I
0: um, don't know. Things have to happen for us to be Wally of the Week, don't they?
2: Mm. Oh, Di Maria's misses Yeah. Go no, 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 that's a fucking hell of a Wally
1: of the Week. Go right
0: fuck there. yourself, <laughs> dick. Honestly. Honestly. Are
1: you, are you only going to ever give praise to Ashley Young for crushing Di Maria into the uh, advertising hoardings at United? Is that the one time you're going to praise him?
0: <laughs> um, honestly, I mean, how bitter does she have to fucking be coming out? There was so much venom in what she was saying as well. Yeah. Yeah, they yeah. lived in Alderley edge. Don't fucking tell me that that was like a shithole. Cause guess what? It ain't. You fucking helmet.
1: I reckon he probably just tried to like jib a tram once and he got caught I'm at the other end. And now honest. it's got like a bitter towards it.
0: Paris has got some seriously iconic buildings. Mm. But it's a fucking shithole.
1: Yeah.
0: You're telling me that living in Paris is 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 fucking all sunshine and rainbows. And I'm not pretending Manchester is either, but like fucking hell. Uh right. Cheers for watching. Make sure to subscribe. Get any of your questions, comments, any of that shit, uh in the description, in the comments even below. Uh and we'll see you guys in the next one. Later.
1: So